Marini's Media. Looks like it's West Brom plus one as the Baggies stay wedded to the top of the championship. In League One, Sunderland win the World Cup, according to Joey Barton. And in League Two, are they putting the promotion champagne on ice at Cheltenham? Too fancy for our taste. Make mine a duff, as Michael tells us the secret to his success. This is the Totally Football League show. Yes, hello again, gang. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams here to help steer the course through the oft-choppy waters of the EFL. I'm just the conduit for chat, though. The main eventers are sat opposite me. First up, please join me in saying hello to a professional business development strategist with SC security clearance and an enviable track record of identifying and securing contracts with international customers and governments. A well-rounded individual with the resilience, gravitas and ongoing relationship building skills to constructively and commercially partner with clients of all sizes on projects that are both complex and demanding. All that's accurate, right, Adrian Clark? Yeah, it's more exciting than it sounds, I promise. (laughs) Alongside Adrian, we're just a couple of days removed from the 16th anniversary of equaliser for Swindon in a one-all draw at Port Vale. It's Sam Parkin. Uh, Alan Reeves high cl- like clearance it was and I just got above the goalkeeper and nodded it in fast. It was an awful goal. Okay. Really awful. Uh, the main thing I want to know though is uh, Danny Invincible played in that game. How mm. many times a day did people riff on his name you know if, if he was good in training you you were invincible out there today Danny that kind of thing. Didn't used to say that a lot but he literally did that once a week. He was one of the most gifted players I ever played with and every now and again you couldn't get anywhere near him and not only that but probably the best looking footballer I ever played with so I often used to stay down and just stand (laughs) alongside him on nights out okay because on nights out he was invincible Um, Clarky (laughs) ever play with anyone than a better name than Danny Invincible I I noticed that Mark Goodlad was in goal in in that game and and by all accounts he is a good good lad yeah 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 come out no, I can't think of a better... There is no better name than, than Danny Invincible, is there? No, it's amazing. It sounds like a rolled dial book. Um, Tuesday saw a busy old evening of EFL action, not least in the Championship. That's where we're heading next. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Here are your Championship headlines as the Throstles take flight and the rest try to hang on to their coattails, brackets, wings, close brackets. Uh, Albion ever closer to promotion as Billich's baggies best Preston. Forrest, the other big winners on Tuesday in the promotion race, whilst Luton and Huddersfield also pick up significant victories in their bids to beat the drop. And Calvin Phillips is in line for an England call-up, supposedly. Speaking of Leeds, should they get promoted, they might need to spend £45 million on players they've already got. Right, we're going to whiz through Tuesday night's games and then predict our top six. West Brom 2. Oh, what a good-looking ball that is. Huge chance for West Brom. And it's taken. Hal Robson-Karnu in scintillating form for West Brom. Looking to switch it into Robson-Karnu. And struck brilliantly. It's 2-0 in the last minute of the first half. Preston nil, Robson Carnu and Livermore with the goals in the first half. Preston finished with 10 men after Darnell Fisher saw red, both metaphorically and literally. Uh, six games unbeaten, five wins in that time. Ain't no stopping them now. No, they, they're pretty smooth at the moment, aren't they? West Bromwich Albion looking really, really good going forward. Just got to look at what they brought on in the second half. They brought off the bench Grzycki, Phillips and Austin who'd walk into not just any team in the division, any of the promotion contenders, first team, I think. So so that shows the power of them. Robinson was great again. He, he's he looking to be, isn't he, the 
the best signing uh, in the championship in January. So, so yeah, no, well done to well done to the baggies there. They're not home and hose just yet, but um, that was comprehensive because Preston are awkward and they didn't test them. Didn't have a shot on target. I think five shots to West Brom's twenty-one or something like that. That's a beating. So, uh, yeah, positive signs for, for West Brom. Mm-hmm. they got Newcastle in the Cup midweek, Sam. Is, is that going to be play the resis like they did at, at West Ham? Because it's obviously far from the top priority for them. Yeah, I would, would imagine so. They've got to continue in the same vein that they've shown in the last few weeks in the Championship to get over that blip. Mm-hmm. has been sensational. Uh, Leeds not to that extent in terms of their recovery, but no, West Brom are exactly where they were early part of the season, so the FA Cup plays second fiddle. Mm. Now then, a big night for Dave at the Brits last week. On Tuesday, it was his muse, Thiago Silva, making the headlines in South Wales. It's Forest 1-1-0 at Cardiff. Um, you two, as neutrals, are you as frustrated by Forest as me and unneutral is? Yeah, yeah, I think so, because um, you just think they're there, they're going to put pressure on the top two and then they produce a poor performance or don't get the necessary points that they maybe deserve. Last time out against QPR, didn't do enough to win the game. And I suppose the lack of goals from Graben is a bit of an, an issue, not scored in, in six now. But defensively, absolutely outstanding. Uh, Cardiff, the two centre-halves, Warren and Figueredo. Superb, and Ben Watson back to his imperious best last night in the absence of Sam Bissell, who has only lost the one game in the 18 that he's featured. So mm. to get over that last night, Yates and Samedo, I think having a big influence on the game in the time that they were on the pitch, that's a, a really good result against a team that have been going really well under Neil Harris. But without Tomlin, I would suggest that's the end of Cardiff's challenge. Is he out for the season? There's speculation that it could be a good few weeks. Mm, certainly the foreseeable. Yeah. Uh, Luton 2, Brentford 1. It's flighted in. Ryan has come for it. Unconvincing. And Luton have doubled their lead on the stroke of half time from the most unlikeliest of sources. Martin Grady. This was a shock, or, or was it? Three wins in four for the Hatters, and, and Brentford can't buy a win at the moment. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, terrific run of results. Great, Graham Jones has definitely got got them going, hasn't he? Um, you know, the Craney has come in and, and made a difference, and we talked about them last week. But these two goals were from set pieces. Wide free kicks, terrible defender. I don't know if you've seen them, Sam. It's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, real mess. The first first one was obviously an own goal. The next one, the goalkeeper didn't didn't cover himself in glory. So, But but they were ruthless, weren't they? They, they made the most of those opportunities, Luton. And, and you look at the table now and you think, wow, they've, they've got really got a chance here, especially with, with Middlesbrough and Stoke City stuttering badly. And keep your eye on Hull. I think, I think they might just have enough points in the bag, but... But yeah, the, the the pack are drawing in and Luton have got momentum. So yeah, I, I'm still not a huge fan of of the manager particularly. The style of play hasn't been <laughs> brilliant, but but yeah, credit credit where credit's due. They're, um, they're on a good run at the minute. Brentford, Thomas the Tanking Engine. <laughs> I heard him last night with um, the chat that I work with a lot at BBC London. And he, I wouldn't say he sounded rattled, but he wasn't as friendly. As he normally is when he comes up to the point post match, um, yeah, they've got problems um, defensively. Last night he changed; he went back to the three four three. Dalsgaard and Norgard having to play 
as auxiliary centre-halves mm. uh, with Jean Vier and Janssen out. And, and Adrian's spoken about the set-piece goals that they're conceding. Um, that's no clean sheets in seven now. And the goals, if you have a Janssen and you have a commanding goalkeeper, these things don't happen. And Raya's been really poor mm. in the last few weeks after making my team of the half season. <laughs> he's a great shot stopper though, isn't he? I think he's one mm. of the best, one of the most agile keepers in the division, but that's, I do agree. He's not... Three big ricks I can, I can remember in the last few weeks and obviously injuries seriously hindering Brentford now. So they'll come again. They're going to be in the playoffs. But yeah, that lack of experience, which I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, that just is something that is just reverberating around me. You know, when we get to the nitty gritty of the season, they're still liable to lose these games. And Luton at Kenilworth Road midweek, mm. that's what we anticipated. So has it come too late? They're still going to have to probably win six games, maybe seven games to see themselves safe. Mm. But this is the loot and that I anticipated. Yeah, they've lost nearly a third of their games. Brentford, as much as we wax lyrical about them, there's so much to admire. Lost 11 of 35. That's 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 too many for automatic promotion. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Bristol City, who are going for the playoffs when we do our, our top six predictor. But, but they lost 2-1 against Huddersfield. Uh, Huddersfield managing to put some distance between themselves and the dotted line. And uh, coming up, they've got Wigan at home and Charlton in two of their next three. So a big opportunity here for them to actually move clear of, of the bottom three and, and start thinking about next season and, and it being as a championship. I, I, f- I feel like they're going to be fine. I really do. I know they had a setback at the weekend, but it, this was a good performance. By all accounts, they battered Bristol City. Two former Arsenal, well, one still a current Arsenal player, influential in this, Emil Smith-Rowe, outstanding. Chris Willock as well, who started off at Arsenal, he's Joe's brother. Is he the one who went to Benfica? He went to Benfica and and sort of never made it in the first team. And he's come back and he's basically starting his professional career in the Championship with them at the moment and uh, as a first-teamer. And he's doing really well. He's scored scored a lovely goal. So, so no, I I think they're going to be all right here and... uh, yeah, they'll end up closer to mid-table than the drop zone, in my opinion. As for Bristol City, yeah, it's another really disappointing no-show. You talk about Forest being frustrating. I think if I was a Bristol City fan, it would, it would, I would be have no hair left. I'd, I'd have torn it all out. Uh, Sam, you were at Loftus Road on Tuesday for QPR against Derby. Big day for the parking family. This wasn't it, as it, as you tried to to turn your your young nephew Stan over over to the good side, as you should. Yeah, he's a, he's a McEwen actually, parking McEwen, um, my sister's boy. His dad's a Wolves fan, so me and my brother have got our work cut out to um, transform him into a Rangers supporter. But I let him know last night that it's okay. You know, he can still have, keep an eye on his local side I'm I'm all right about him being a Wolves fan how old is he he's eight. Oh, this is the key age yeah so I parked where my dad used to park when he took me and my brother back in the day I couldn't take him in the booze and my dad used to take me in but <laughs> we went for a KFC and he got to see a really good game actually first half wasn't brilliant uh, QPR probably shaded it and the second half was really exciting Rooney was the best player on the pitch for 70 75 minutes until he presented uh, Eze with the ball with his one wayward pass. Eze swirling his way forward. Eze looks to find Chair and it's in. And uh, Eze majestic uh, assist for, for Chair to win it for Rangers. But his best line, the eight year old this mm-hmm. was, was uh, Jeff Cameron 
uh, reminded him of Zatam Ibrahimovic. Which <laughs> I think we've, we've all thought that. I thought it was that's glorious. And, yeah. and my brother, um, big QPR fan, goes most, most weeks. But they ended with chair on one side, Eze in the 10, Jack Clark wide right, Asay Samuel playing up front. And he just turned to me and went, this manager's bonkers. You know, at 1-1, you'd maybe side on caution. They were coming a little bit under the cosh and he really went for it. He took Pew and he took Hugo off, who are doing a good job, I think, and a good experienced championship players and went with a real flair mm. and uh, the young, exciting players, which gets the fans on side. And um, it was end-to-end, last 10 minutes. Waghorn missed a couple for Derby and uh, QPR got over the line. But again, I just think it encapsulates what Warburton's about and... The supporters enjoy it. Mm. You know, they can accept it being passed out of play on occasion because they're not brilliant mm. defensively and playing out, they don't fill me with mm. ultimate trust, but they give the ball away. But Derby did as well last mm. night. So it was a really entertaining I love game. that. Yeah, I think it's the best tactic with that, with that group of players. I know that he's naturally cavalier. He sort of always has been Warburton. But with that group of players, attack is 100% better. You know, the best form of defence, isn't it? I'd, that is a great front four. Really, I wouldn't, you wouldn't want to play against it, would you? No, absolutely not. And um, like I said, it, it gets the, the supporters on side because there's a couple of homegrown players, three homegrown players amongst them. And I thought last night seeing the say Samuel play as a number nine for the last few minutes as well gives him a good option because mm. Hugo's done okay, but Hugo is a championship striker. I would put my bottom dollar that Eze is going to be a Premier mm. League player probably next year. And I say Samuel will be in time as well. Uh, Abby wanted to know if you had uh, the vegan burger, but presumably you shared a bucket as it was a family thing. Uh, we had uh, zingers yes. with some popcorn chicken and then the nephew had a donut at the game. Strange. Okay. Oh, yeah. at the game, fine. Not at okay. KFC, yeah. yeah. Uh, tower for me every time. Yeah, yeah. fine. And hey, listen, if, you, if you're listening, Colonel, you want to send us some chicken, that's fine. Um, so there's been some chatter this week that Calvin Phillips may be in line for an England call-up next month. Gareth Southgate went to see him play for Leeds against Sheffield Wednesday. Suggestion is he'd take the place of, of maybe Declan Rice or, or Harry Winks, both of whom are, are really out of form at the moment. Is, is, this, is this viable? It's not impossible. I think that he has the potential to be a, a full England international definitely he's playing in a, he's playing a sophisticated brand of football he's the key man in it and he, he's been outstanding he really has he's a, he's, he's, a, he's a good all-rounder as well can pass long and short breaks up play ever, ever so well tactically intelligent athletics and he's got all the, he's got it all but I wouldn't put him in the England squad I, ju- I just think it is too much of an unknown really the championship to the Premier League is a heck of a jump and I would like, a little bit like Grealish, I mean, Grealish has been sensational in the Premier League all season and he's still not played for England. So I think it's a bit of a leap. What's in his favour is, is, is what you just pointed out. The players in his position are not great, which is why next season, if Leeds are in the Prem, I think he'll be a full England international. But I personally wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be thinking of him for the Euros unless there was an injury crisis. Uh, you would, Sam, wouldn't you? Probably not to be in the Euro squad. I'd maybe, I know there may be red tape and um, I don't know exactly how it would work, but to give them a, a taste of the squad mm. in the warm-up games, just to be present, really. I know these are younger players I'm talking about, but I remember Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, I think being part of Terry Venable's Euro 96 squad. Mm. I know he's a lot more experienced than that. Mason but, Mount as well before the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, just to get him around the place and see how he adapts around better players. Oh, on current form, it's difficult to gauge because we're talking about Premier League players, but he's a better 
passer of the ball than Declan Rice and the players that are in front of him. Ranger passing. He's as combative as them. He covers the ground and his influence on Leeds United is ridiculous. Mm. My concern maybe I don't know what Adrian thinks, but he's played a very specific role. I know that he flitters between centre-half and midfield at times, but that defensive anchor, which he does by himself, mm. would he be able to transfer that to playing in a two, mm. per se, for, for England? That would be a little bit of a concern because Leeds are so stuck in that formation that they play. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think that could be a positive when he does get the call up because we know that Gareth Southgate likes to flip between a back four and a back three. If he's got a central midfielder that is really comfortable just dropping in there either organically or to do a specific job, then Phillips could be, could be his man. So no, I, I see a really bright future for him. I just I just feel that it's a hell of a step up. And and in the champ, the other, the other thing I noticed he's, he's picked up a lot of bookings this season. I think that's in the championship where I think referees are a touch more lenient. In the top flight, I think he might have to learn to show more of a disciplined side to his game. And at international level, that trait is even more important. So, so I don't think he's quite ready for international football, but one day he will be. Mm. All right, instead of previewing weekend's games, um, this is because there are matches tonight as we record, which have the potential to leave us with eggy faces. Let, let's have a look at the playoff contenders and, and who we think are going to make it. First question, Clarky, mm. is it West Brom and Leeds for automatic promotion, or is it West Brom plus one? I've not changed, yeah. I've, I've been backing the two best teams in the division for a while now, West Brom and Leeds, to, to go up automatically. I, just, I don't want to be too harsh on the chasing pack, but I just don't think they're quite good enough. I don't think there's a, uh, a standout... The problem, yeah, I don't it? think there's a standout side coming from deep with a great run that's going to, to top their tally. So, so for me, the top two will be as, as it is. And and it, it's so difficult. It really is in terms of in terms of the rest. So we would have said Brentford up until recently, and you still got to fancy them because they've got the firepower. But there are chinks in the armour there. Um, I saw Fulham in the flesh at Derby last week, and I wasn't that impressed really. I mean, Mad- Rodak was brilliant after his after his calamity performance uh, the weekend before. So they were just they were what we've been talking about. All season, really, just so safe with their passes. They don't use Mitrovic anywhere near enough. He hardly had a touch in the game apart from scoring. And you just think, you know, Scott Parker was. I was in the press conference afterwards. And he was very calm and he was proud of his players for coming back from one nil down. But I just think he's not getting the best out of Mitrovic. And and yeah, I, I can see them just plateauing a little bit. Fulham. I'm, I'm not sure. If they're ready to go up. Okay, we'll pick you four then. Are Fulham going to be in it? Forest for sure. Brentford, yes. Yeah, I think Fulham will stay in the playoffs. I don't don't think they'll win the playoffs. And (laughs) putting me on the spot here, I think that I'm going to go with... Do you know what? I'm going to go with Swansea. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think that they're they're starting to find their feet. I I like the, the... well, they've had a problem at centre-half all season. They've not had the consistent partnership. I think they've had nine, nine different combinations. At the weekend, it was two young Welsh players um, together for the first time, which was promising. But yeah, just look at their front front guys and, and think that they've, they've got potential to to sneak in. But look, it, it's a flip of a coin, it really is. So, so Sam, we got, as we record, Forest, Fulham, Brentford and Preston. Uh, Clark has gone for Swansea to, to break the pack. I think we are we all pretty set on Forest, Fulham and Brentford and then it's one other. Yeah, 100%. I don't see 
any of them being good enough to get into the top two, although I would still say that Fulham will maybe finish third. Uh, the reason they're not going to make up the distance is because of the fixtures. Incredibly difficult, and uh, I concur with what Clarkie's just said about Fulham. For me, I'm going to just go for Bristol City purely on the business that they did in January, the potential to get a phobie back into consideration and a slightly healthier looking fixture list. But I think it's going to be between them and Preston. I can't go back on what I said about Blackburn two or three weeks ago. I thought they were finished and I thought that inexperience would probably cost Swansea. So I will go for Bristol City to pip Preston because the strikers are better at City than they are at Preston North End. Mm, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good shout. I've, I've, I've winged it, really, with Swansea. I haven't really backed it up with Swans any stats. Swans have wings, so that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I've just, it's, just, it's just a little hunch that they, they, they will come again and come on with a run. There you go. We shall see. Abby, let's get some odds on promotion then, seeing as that's what we've been talking about in the Championship. How's it looking top six-wise? So top six finish, you can't even bet on West Brom and Leeds anymore. So the first team who've got the uh, the shortest odds, Fulham are 1-10, to 10, followed by Forrest at 1-5, to 5, as are Brentford. And then it gets a bit tighter. Preston are still odds on, though, at 10-11. to 11, And then Bristol City are 11-4. to 4. As for Clarkey's somewhat random Swansea tip, they are the seventh favourite. No, they're not. They're the eighth favourites at uh, five to one. Wow, that's the prices you can get if you want to bet on those teams to finish in the playoffs. Uh, first time listeners, here's what happens next. There will follow a sting and possibly a brief commercial message, after which we'll arrive in League One. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. Headlines from League One look like this. Peterborough have identified a site for a new stadium which could be ready as soon as 2023 and will hold 20,000 people. Posh. Uh, some big games on Tuesday night saw the top two share the points and thus the lead at the top of the division after Coventry versus Rotherham ended one all. And this statement just in, Oxford United can confirm that they have politely declined a request from Blackpool FC to speak to head coach Carl Robinson. The U's chairman, who goes by the nickname The Tiger, said to set the record straight, we spoke to Blackpool yesterday before the game, but I didn't want to disturb Carl's pre-match routine. It was unfortunate that rumours started coming out just before kick-off, but I rang immediately after the game, even though Carl was very busy as usual at that time. And by that stage, it was 5am in Bangkok, and even I need a little sleep sometimes. I don't really need that last bit, that's uh, extraneous detail. Um, <laughs> Sam, Sam, other than money and the fact that it's near where he's from, why would Carl Robinson swap Oxford? for Blackpool anyway I don't know I don't know it's I think, a really strange one isn't it I yeah think. but you have to take into consideration the factors you've just mentioned mm. he's been away from Liverpool for a long time don't know his family situation so maybe it would be appealing to get back within what an hour hour and a half from his home they've got a new squad haven't they? Maybe there's a little bit more finance to play with considering there's, there's new owners so he could build there rather than having to see his best players leave Oxford in recent weeks but no there's still a lot to like about Oxford United Mm. Uh, three straight wins 
as well. It's going to be difficult for them to get promoted this season. But no, I think Carl Robinson's done a brilliant job there and I'd be very surprised if he was to jump ship. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think I think he can do probably do a little bit better than Blackpool if he was to, to leave Oxford. I think at the, if, if this was happening in June, I think it would be a different kettle of fish because the location factor would come into it. Blackpool, marginally bigger club, probably wealthier. So, so, so that would be a big tick. But you can't leave Oxford now. They've got, it's it's an exciting period for them. They do have a shot at promotion, which will obviously take his stock higher and and whatnot. And, and Blackpool have nothing, absolutely nothing to play for. They're not going to go down. Certainly not going to go up. So, so no, I, I wouldn't even um, entertain the thought of it now. But in the summer, maybe. Uh, lastly on this Sam if nothing else his agent will be rubbing his hands won't he and, and going to the Oxford chairman and saying well we might need a few more quid if there's other people interested a la Brendan Rogers when the Arsenal link came out signed a new contract the next week yeah and um, I think everyone's taken notice of what he's done again this year obviously got a lot of credit for his job at MK Dons and maybe he his reputation suffered a little bit during the Charlton period but he's certainly rebuilt it at Oxford and, and the nation have seen during those FA Cup games the nice brand of football, how he's improving players as well. It seems to be a good fit there. Uh, yeah, and I agree with Adrian. They'll, they'll probably be suitors higher up the food chain. On, on cut runs as well, I know that every, every manager seems to treat them as an irrelevance and that it's never the priority. It's always the league. It has to be the priority. That's the rules of modern football, which is, which is nonsense, I think. But, but there you go. A good cut run can really be an attractive quality to other managers, other chairmen, because what, what do cut runs bring in? They bring in the cash. And if you're a manager that's associated with cut runs, that especially that, that's playing good brands of football as well, then I think that that certainly makes you appealing to, to other teams. So, um, yeah, that's a factor, I think. In terms of league games, Coventry won Rotherham won on Tuesday. Um, Sam, we've kind of been talking in the last few weeks that, that these two are the standout sides in the division. But as we record, they're only two points clear of, of third place. A, a win for either would have, would have been massive for this, but I'm guessing Rotherham as the away side happy with a point. Yeah, it sounds like it was um, the absolute right result. Rotherham dominated in the, the opening 45 and commentary, uh, the better team after the break. And um, yeah, as we would have anticipated, a bit of a contrast in the way that they set up and play the power of Rotherham was a problem in that first half, but Coventry have got very good footballers. Uh, they seem to have a lot of options at the moment, and it's a similar game that we're going to come on to that they're going to face at the weekend against the Sunderland side, who have a system now that really gets the best out of their assets and their their main attacking threats. So now Coventry are on a brilliant run, and they're getting the rewards for an expansive, brave type of football. Um, and I think they've gone under the radar. I think I really don't think a lot of people spoke about commentary before Christmas. Uh, and they are, you know, right in the mix for one of those automatic positions. Sunderland Fleetwood finished 1-1 after Max Power got a 97th minute equaliser. Joey Barton took it well. It was very, very interesting as a former Newcastle player to see Sunderland, who were in the Premier League three years ago, celebrate like they won the World Cup mm. final having scored an e- 
equalise it in stoppage time against the mighty Fleetwood Town. Wins two on Tuesday for Portsmouth and Oxford. Uh, Tranmere also got a much-needed victory at Shrewsbury, though there's still five points from safety. Uh, elsewhere, good to see Bury AFC applying for 10th tier placing in the Northwest Counties League. 11 clubs have applied, notably not Bury FC. Teams have until the 31st of March to meet certain criteria, and so we'll wait and see what happens there. But there's a new Bury in town for now. Uh, we'll have a look ahead to Coventry versus Sunderland. Two teams we've touched on there. Uh, the biggest ding-dong match since Coventry played on Tuesday night. Uh, we've spoken about them as the kind of best footballing side in League One. Who's who's really caught the eye for Coventry so far? Lots of different players have caught the eye. I think that Callum O'Hare has been a good, really good signing for them on loan. He's, he's taken to, to first-team football ever so well. Influential either as playing as one of the two in behind a, a main striker. But in midweek against Rotherham, it was interesting. He tweaked it. He went 3-4-1-2. So he brought in a BMU to play up top with Godden and, and O'Hare was the was the number 10. And he he had to put up a lot of physical treatment. I think he's, he's become a bit of a marked man in, in, in League One football. And I think Sunderland will also try and get in amongst him because he's, you know, he's a young boy. They'll think they can bully him. But so far, he's he's standing up to it. It's it's a great game in prospect. It really is. Um, I'm going to be there. Really excited about it. And it's a difficult one to call. I I would side probably with Coventry, the home advantage and whatnot. And and I think down the sides, I really like. I've, I've talked about Dabo before. He, he put in a great assist for for Godden. I think that that he will be someone to to keep your eye on. His his duel with. Um, Denver Hume, I think, would be quite exciting because he, he's almost a carbon copy on the, on the other side of the pitch. My, my issue, thinking about the game tactically, is with the Sunderland's 3-4-3, will they be able to pin back Coventry and make them into a, into a back five? That's what they might try and do. But I look at the two back threes, and I'm backing Coventry's over Sunderland's, I have to say, in terms of more settled unit, give less away. And and I think that BMU and, and God, and if he goes with the front two, stand more chance of, of opening up than than the Sunderland forwards. So, no, I, I think it would be a fascinating match. I don't know how Sam sees it. Totally football show one too. this, isn't it? Clark, is there? You're going to be... I'm there, yeah. There's, a, there's an EFL legendary striker in the Sky Studio. <laughs> yeah. And, and alongside Kevin Phillips will be Sam Parker. I don't know if we're allowed to let that out, Matt. They might sue you. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they can try, but you know, if they want a PlayStation 2 and some old football shit. Then... Gaffin Peckham, big money these days. Um, yeah, Kevin Phillips I'm going to be working alongside. So, I'm anticipating it being a good atmosphere because I'd imagine Sunderland will have that whole end as well where we're stationed so mm. that should be good fun I'm not sure I agree with Clarky in terms of the defence mm. eight clean sheets in ten no, Sunderland I know, I know. and yeah. um, Willis has been getting mm. big plaudits for his performances stepping out and really conducting the play down the right hand side for Sunderland Ozturk's come in the last two games he was exemplary at the weekend. Um, last night, obviously, they conceded against uh, against Fleetwood and got out of jail a little bit with a last-minute equaliser. But, no, I think there's just good competition at Sunderland at the moment. And the starting lineup has been very set. He's made very few changes. But if you think of the possibility of Scoen coming into the midfield, you've got Lafferty for Wyke. They ended the game together last night. And you've got, obviously, options at centre-half with Tommy Smith coming in. Joel Lynch is fit. I mean, they're looking in a really good place, Sunderland. And the system really get the best out of them. In the home games, it's different because the, the positions of those wide players almost parallel with the inside forwards. The two centre-halves are, are really stepping in. 
at the Stadium of Light. So it's going to be a different type of game, mm. certainly against Coventry, a team who are going to have a lot of the ball and push Sunderland back. But I expect the visitors to be a little bit more direct. And mm. even if Wyke isn't winning that first ball, I think he causes enough confusion to let Gooch and Maguire excel in what they've been doing the last few weeks. Uh, Tranmere versus Fleetwood. We've spoken more about the state of Tranmere's pitch than we have Fleetwood. Uh, they are on the fringes of the playoffs, so we ought to give them a little bit of a mention. Paddy Madden, the second highest scorer in League One. Wes Burns, Lewis Coyle picking up assists here and there. And, and, and wheeling out Glenn was a, a big deal for them in January too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right to highlight the, the new signings. Matt Whelan's obviously... Um, playing midfield with, with Coots and, and, and Connolly, doing really well. And Gibson that we spoke about, young player on loan from Everton and Connolly on loan from Everton. Gibson's won all five of his first Fleetwood appearances and, and drew last night, obviously, at Sunderland. He's been very important. And, and Connolly, like Calvin Phillips in the, the tier above, he can flitter between centre-half position and central midfield. And that means that Joey Barton can adapt his starting lineup. On that, 14 different formations Joey Barton <laughs> has played this season, according to um, Y Scout. So, very flexible in the way that they set up. Invariably, week by week, it alters. So, he's clearly a thinking man's manager, but they're in brilliant form. Unbeaten in nine, one defeat in 14. Defensively, that's been where they've made huge strides. Two clean sheets in the last four and only conceded more than one goal once in the last 12 games. I mean, the stats back it up. They are a great shout for the playoffs, and because they've got the momentum, you expect them to be strong. Um, Saturday, a bit of that goes out the window because it's a different type of challenge, different type of pitch, and they'll have to be a little bit more maybe industrious in what they do rather than play the better football that we've seen from them the last few weeks. Mm. Plenty of teams around about this time of year, uh, metaphorically on the beach, Clarky, this game will be played on a pitch which is kind of a <laughs> bit like a beach. Mm. Um, big win for Tranmere though, Tuesday night at Shrewsbury. Only five points, the gap, that, that is bridgeable. I think it's bridgeable when you look at Wimbledon's form. They're the ones that they're probably looking to lure in. And I looked at Wimbledon's fixtures. I think it's in their hands, really. They've got MK Dons, Tranmere and Bolton at home. They've got Rochdale and Shrewsbury away. So I think if they fare badly in that collection of games, then Tranmere have potential to, to come back. What I'll say in favour of, of Tranmere here is that they've got a brand new spine, really, to the, to the team. They've got um, Peter Clark's coming from Fleetwood, who we've just been talking about. I don't know yeah, he can play because he signed on a permanent basis. So, so he's coming at centre half for month. You've got two, two new midfielders, Woodyard and McCulloch, and then up front you've got Cook and Vaughan, two two sort of old stages. And then you've got Morris and and Blackett Taylor was brilliant against Shrewsbury on Tuesday night as your as your flair players, as your creators, and it's it's just a new Tranmere. It, we don't know how they're going to fare. I didn't think they were ready for the step up. It all happened too quickly coming from non-league all the way through. They're almost starting again <laughs> later on in this season. Will they run out of time, I wonder? But but Cook and Vaughan up front have, have goals between them, don't they? I, I just wonder, that victory, 3-2 at Shrewsbury, that's big. And the way they got it right at the end, they'll be feeling much better about themselves ahead of this game. If, they, if, uh, if Fleetwood dip psychologically and think oh, this is going to be a walkover and I'm not saying they will if they do Tranmere might just be ready to cause an upset 
Uh, Abby, we're contractually obliged to speak about the odds as provided by William Hill at this point in the show. Uh, how about promotion from League One? League One, Rotherham still favourites 4-11, to 11, followed by Coventry 1-2. to two. Then it is Sunderland who are third favourites, although equal with Portsmouth because Sunderland and Portsmouth come as a pair 5-4 to four, and uh, Wickham are 10-3 to three for promotion. Ipswich dropped off a cliff. Uh, they were probably favourites for at least most of the season, 8-1. to one. Crikey. Um, the games we spoke about, Tranmere versus Fleetwood. Tranmere versus Fleetwood. I have I have not seen numbers like this before, and if I were Joe Crilly, I'd probably change them. But Fleetwood are eighty-eight to one hundred. Wow. To win that one, with Tranmere three to one and the draw thirteen to five. Uh, Coventry v Sunderland. What will you give me on a one-one draw because Sunderland? I was looking that one up as well because yeah, same reasoning as you. Nine to two, you can get on uh, the one-one draw there. But the favourites in this one are Coventry at seven to five and Sunderland are two to one. Abby's going to put in another audio device to segment the show a little bit and then we'll talk about League Two. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. League Two headlines. Newport County have apologised after fans allegedly mocked Bradford City over the 1985 Valley Parade fire tragedy in which 56 people died. Uh, The Bantams have also complained to the FA about alleged abusive behaviour towards boss Stuart McCall during their loss at Newport. Meanwhile, Bradford have sacked Tyrell Robinson after he was charged with engaging in sexual activity with a child. In less repulsive news, Grimsby and Cheltenham won on Tuesday night. Let's get to football. Colchester United against Cheltenham this weekend. A big game affecting the playoff places. Cheltenham travelling to Essex to take on the U's. Earlier, Sam and I caught up with Robin's boss, Michael Duff. Michael, thanks for joining us. So we're speaking just hours after last night's win against Northampton. You're fourth on the spin. What, what's been the secret to this run? Uh, well, I don't think it's been this run. I just think we just... They're so close, League Two games. We just managed to find for the right side of a couple of really tight ones in Mansfield and Northampton. And there's a few times in and around the Christmas period, we had a lot of draws. We conceded the first goal and we, we couldn't quite do enough to get the win. But, we, but we've always been tough to beat all season. So it's, um, it's been a good run, obviously, but I think we've been in decent form pretty much most of the season. Mm. And uh, the winner came from from Luke Varney, who you brought off the bench. Always nice for a manager when a substitution works like that, I guess. Yeah, it's locally we've had a little bit because him and Ruben Reed have been out for a, a big chunk of the season. So we're sort of trying to manage them. So they're almost taking it in turns. So the last three games, Reg has started and Ruben's come on and scored. And we swapped it around last night. Ruben came off and Reg came on and scored. So it's uh, it makes me look good. But listen, I think everyone realises you don't. No one cares. It's as long as somebody scores. It's as long as the team's winning. We're all winning. Uh, he's one of several strikers that you've got on the books. What's the thinking behind having such a, a large pool of attacking players? Is it, is it to kind of legislate for the injuries that you've had? Yeah, that, it was. You know, it's not ideal. We've got eight centre forwards, but uh, Luke Varney and Ruben Reader are, are two sort of like target men, so to speak. And like I said, they were out. Uh, Ruben was out for pretty much the whole season up until Christmas, uh, and broke down just in and around Christmas. Luke Varney was out for nine or ten weeks, so you're getting to the end of the window and I went to the board and I said, look, the position that we're in, we don't want to, I'd rather cover all bases and have too many than not enough. Now, luckily, they've both stayed fit and both scored goals, but we brought in Alfie May. Uh, so so it, th- there is competition for places. It probably is too many, but I'd rather have too many than get into the position we are now and get a few in and think, oh, I wish we'd have brought one or two in. So it's, it, that, that's the reason why. 
Michael, you, you've clearly got a, a real identity to the way that you play in the three four one two three five two. Is it important to you to have a real philosophy and transparency with the system rather than changing week after week, especially when you think of the level that you're playing in at League Two? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bothered about the word philosophy. It's, it's, given, it's given the players the roles and responsibilities, so they understand the formation. When I first came in, I tried 4-4-2, I tried 4-3-3 and it didn't work. So something I learned quite quickly is, is all right, having these ideas, my ideas, you've got to, you've got to work with what you've got with. Now we've we've found the three five two or three four one two dress up as you want. It's it's uh, and now other players do have clear roles within it. So when certain players have the ball, certain people have to make certain movements. Centre forwards make runs off certain people, not off other people. So it's it, I think it is important that players do know with and without the ball what their jobs are. I was speaking to former teammate of yours, John McGrill, and you obviously come up against him at the weekend and he cited uh, Steve Cottrell as one of the biggest influences on his managerial career. You obviously worked with some really high-caliber chaps uh, during your playing days at Burnley. Who would you say you're most like in terms of your day-to-day management on the training ground? Well, it's interesting. Steve was a big, big influence on my career. He's the one that gave me my chance at Cheltenham. He took me to Burnley give him a chance at Burnley and I still speak to him a lot as regards to like personality sort of wise and, and the way I think I'm, I learned the most from the management side from Sean Dyche um, as much as because I got to 38 so the last five years of my career I was with him so I was I had an idea that this is what I wanted to get into this is what I wanted to do so you start analysing uh, debrief sessions pre-match sessions coaching sessions just because it's not a bad one to make uh, to learn from um, I think we've got similar sort of values, similar sort of backgrounds. Uh, and I think, <laughs> like I said, he's not a bad one to learn off. So, But the two the two key influences would be would St- Steve. I still speak to a lot because he had great success playing 3-5-2. So I, I do pick his brain about the tactical side of the formation. With Bristol City, I think they won 100, over 100 points in League One. So he understands the system you know, unbelievably well as well. So they'd be the two key influences on my career. Uh, Sam mentioned that that game you got on Saturday against your mate John McGreal and Colchester. We're speaking to you early Wednesday morning. Are, are you starting preparations with the players for that now, or or is it a rest and recovery day for them after last night? No, no, the players. Um, I'm not a massive one for getting the players in the day after a game. I, they 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 know that they get their days off. We trust them to look after themselves, so they'll get nearly every every Wednesday, every Sunday off. Obviously, it can change within reason, but they also know that when they're in work, they're in work. And, and we'll we'll be after them, Michael. Yeah. Obviously, you've got great options in attack, but um, your defensive records unbelievably. I mean, considerably better than anyone else in the in the league now. What's the key behind that? And are you out there with your boots on, marshalling that back three, and, and really working on things day by day? Yeah, it's something that, um, something I enjoy. I enjoyed the coaching side of it. There's only I say only there's only me, and my assistant uh, Russell Milton. So a lot of the time particularly on tactical sessions, I'll, I'll go off with the defenders and he'll go off with the, the forward part of the team. It's something that I enjoy. I'm lucky that I've got good defenders. Uh, they want to learn. We've, we've done well. We've got four centre-halves, of which there's always one of them unlucky to be out at, at any one moment. So it's been Jacob Greaves at the minute, a young lad from Hull. He's been exceptional. First-year pro, I think he played 30 league games on the spin. Will Boyle's come in and just picked it up. So, uh, yeah, I think I said, like, it, it's... The fact that we, we always give ourselves the chance because the the solidity within the team. And Michael, before we let you go, we'll, we'll finish with the most important question. Uh, we're speaking to you just after you finish walking your dog. What what kind of dog is it? What's her name and, and how amazing is she? 
Oh, she's brilliant. Frankie, black black lab. Uh, so we've just been on the top of Cleve Hill overlooking the race course, getting ready for the races, obviously, in a couple of weeks. So it was a, it was a nice view and a nice walk. Clear the, clear the complex away and uh, crack on again. Like you say, getting ready for Colchester. Michael Duff there. Duff's man going for defence over attack. Is that the best way to secure success in League Two? <laughs> no, because you, well, <laughs> you need to find a balance, don't you, between defence and attack, clearly... They've been solid. I mean, so solid. The stingiest defence in the in the division. But but they've also, as as we just discussed, there got an abundance of strikers, and I think that that is is playing into their hands massively because it's creating great competition, and then you can go and unleash quality from the bench when you when you need it. I I think you asked us, or I don't know if it's Caroline or yourself, a few weeks back for for our promotion tips. I actually said Cheltenham at the time. I just felt that I liked what I've seen from them. At both ends of the pitch, and um, yeah, excellent. And in the middle of the pitch, they got Ryan Broom, who who came up trumps again um, in the game in midweek with a with a lovely goal, eight goals now, seven assists. He, he's turned out to be one of the the players of the season. So, um, and what I also like about Cheltenham is there's a little bit, of, I don't know what it is, it's a bit of fight with them. But I, I was going to say spunk. Am I allowed to say that? I'm, I've said it. There you go. There's a bit of spunk about Cheltenham. Don't don't keep saying it. <laughs> <laughs> They're just really spunky, aren't they? Eighteen points they've claimed from one nil down this season. Second only to Crew in terms of being the comeback king. So so even if things aren't going well. They're not the sort of outfit that collapses. He's definitely got something good going there as, as Duff, and, and I think they might do it. Given that it's only February, I guess the spunk might be premature, Sam. Um, you're looking at Colchester for us. <laughs> they gone back to winning ways at the weekend against Salford. Uh, what, what have you got to say about Colchester United? Well, I think defence is the, the best place to start because... Uh, obviously, Cheltenham, the best defence in the division, uh, and just Newport sandwiching uh, them. And, and Colchester have considered 35 in 35 games, so they've got excellent defensive record. Made a change last time out against Salford. Suomni came in for Eastman, and Eastman and Prosser have been the two that we've spoken about at great length. Uh, and they got a really big result after some some poor performances from their standards in the last few weeks, Colchester. Uh, made a couple of changes, went from the 4-2-3-1 to a 4-4-2. Bold in his selection with Norris and Robinson in attack. I think he may opt to revert to the three in midfield for this one, considering um, Cheltenham normally play with a 10. And I've been wanting to say this about Colchester for a few weeks. Mm. And the reason they're not going to be able to propel themselves into the automatic reckoning, and the reason that they're short of Swindon, Crew, Plymouth, et al., is because I think they lack a real top-quality midfield player. Defensively, really sound. Goalkeeper Gherkin, been exceptional. Not a 20-goal season striker, but loads of goals in the front areas. Stevenson, Pell, Gambin, Comley, they're their options in the middle of the park. It was evident when I was there and watched Swindon the other week. They miss someone with real guile and, and, and poise in the middle of the pitch. And I think that's the reason that they're not one of the top teams in the division. They're a playoff team, and I believe they'll be in the playoffs for the first time in 22 years this season, which seems incredible. Mm. But I think that's the reason they're going to fall a little bit short of being able to challenge. No, I I do agree. They've got a lot of flair, unpredictable flair, dribblers, haven't they? But they haven't got, I don't know, yeah, that that playmaker. Anthony Grant, 
And these are the, uh, pl- the player I watch a lot of, obviously, Michael mm. Doughty. You know, you put a couple of the top quality midfield players mm. in League Two into their squad, I think they're an automatic contender. Mm. Well, you mentioned Swindon there, Sam. They go to Mansfield at the weekend. What what, what can we say about Swindon that we haven't said already? <laughs> <laughs> you can say that Doyle hasn't scored since he's uh, been back. And my girlfriend, she's not a big fan of football, but... Um, I told her about the Yates and the uh, the, the Doyle <laughs> shenanigans. Uh, she knows, obviously, that Swindon's my, my team. And uh, she said, wow, it's a lot of pressure on him coming back. Oh, he's lost his momentum. He's, he's not going to score any. And she's been proved right so far. He's, he's turned uh, master creator in the last couple of games with a couple of uh, wonderful assists, but not got his mojo back in terms of his goals. But yeah, they've got the attacking talent. A wash with attacking talent. Jaseem, he's been brilliant. Yates is still amongst the goals. It's defensively where he would have liked to have added another. I know that he was looking, but he was trying to get a couple of players out on loan. So it's Romani, Edmonds, Green, Reg, to his friends, <laughs> who's been exceptional. He's the one uh, standout defensively at the moment. And, he, and he's playing Zeki Friars, who's a left-back, really, alongside him in the absence of Baudry, who's short-term, and Dion Conroy, long-term. So that's a little bit of a concern. But the fixtures, they only play two teams in the running in the top 10. Forest Green, who have fallen off a cliff, and Cheltenham. And they've got 15 wins, two draws, and two defeats so far this season against teams 10th and below. Mm. So they do the business mm. against the bottom sides. Newport, the only team that have done the double over Swindon, those two defeats. So the fixtures are rosy. They should get promoted, but it's very tight at the top of the division and looks ever so exciting. So we're thinking Swindon are going up. It is nice, Clarky, when a partner who has no interest in football plucks something out the air from nothing. I remember a few years ago... And their analysis... To this point, spot on. Well, I, I remember a few years ago being being fed up because Forrest had lost and a playoff challenge was fizzling out. And uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, said, don't be down. That Lewis McGugan free kick against Ipswich the other week was one of the finest strikes from a set piece that I've ever seen. And I proposed the next week. So uh, she did You well went out with John Motson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Mansfield. Abby's got a pertinent question here, Clarky. What are Mansfield? What are Mansfield? They're a work in progress, aren't they? They're, they're not a mess, a work in progress. I don't think they're a mess. No. Well, Graham Coughlin doesn't think they are. He, he's he's been very vocal in in saying that he thinks it's improving a lot. The fitness is better. The performances are better. The defensive structure is improved for Mansfield. So it's just results haven't reflected performances. That's that's his line at the moment and um, yeah we'll, we'll accept that I think there's too much reliance on the on the front two Rosa Maynard obviously Cook's gone now to Tranmere Nick's high score has only got two you need midfielders to chip in you need your wingers to be scoring at least six, seven, eight goals a season if not into double figures they've lacked that quality in terms of creation as well, I think from from wide areas, very reliant on on Benning at, at fullback and whatnot. So, so that's been a a problem. Very attacking. If they could finish, if you know, if if they did have more goals from from other people, they'd they'd be flying. Here's a stat for you. Sam's come up with some crackers this week, by the way. Kudos. <laughs> um, they've had one point four shots more than Swindon per game this season. Mansfield. This is a team that I think. 
We'll end up in the bottom five. Ginger (laughs) Pele, just the. I thought you were a QPR fan. Um, Anyway, (laughs) but they've had more shots per game than Swindon, and Swindon scored fourteen more goals. So, so look, we we know that they've defensively it's been an issue, but look. Mansfield, they need to write off this season. They're not going to go down. They're lucky Stevenage are so, so much worse than everybody else. And they have to, um, I think, stick with Coughlin and, and let him rebuild next season. But it's been a shocker. 16 defeats. I looked at the previous two seasons when they've been towards the top end. 10 defeats in each season. This year, 16 already. It, it, it's one to forget. But I think they can come again. League Two odds, Abby. Uh, this is a promotional spot for William Hill, so it makes sense that we've been talking about promotion from the leagues during this part of the show. Who's favourites for promotion in League Two? No surprises here. Swindon, sixteen to one on to get promoted. Crew are one to four. Plymouth two to five. As are Exeter, and then Cheltenham because we've spent a long time on them. Thirteen to eight, and Colchester around that one up with eleven to four. I haven't spent quite enough time on Cheltenham yet because I'm going to ask you the odds for their game with Colchester. Well, they are not the favourites in this one. It is the home team, Colchester United, at 13-10 to 10, and Cheltenham are 21-10. to 10. How about the towns of Mansfield and Swindon, who is the favourite when they go head-to-head in the East Midlands on Saturday? Shockingly, it is Swindon at 11-10 to 10, and Mansfield 9-4 to 4, and if you fancy to draw, 13-5. to 5. Well done, Joe. Your position is in peril. That's just about it for today. Annoyingly, you've both already given away what you're doing this weekend, which is a shame. Although, Sam, wagging your finger, it sounds like there's mm. something big in store on the other day. That's only Sunday, isn't it? Right, OK. Saturday? QPR Birmingham. <laughs> uh, are you paying to get in? No, no, I'm working, but Abby criticised me for going to the game last night because it was 13th v 15th, and I haven't got time to see where Birmingham lie, but it's not one for the, uh, for the masses. <laughs> that's, that's, that's being a loyal supporter, I appreciate it. Um, uh, Sam chipping in there with a chant, presumably about Owen Doyle. Mm-hmm. Did either of you two ever have a chant about yourselves? Um, no, I, did. I don't think I did. No, it was um, for opposition fans used to taunt me quite regularly. I can't, I can't uh, say what it was for, but it was to rib me about my long hair. Um, well, but, yeah. some justification for anybody who's Google image that I'm sure will we'll feel the same. Sam, you uh, must have been super Sammy Parkin yeah. when you were at Yeah, yeah, I had my own yeah. song at Swindon. Yeah. Not that it went particularly well at Luton, but there was a good one at Luton for a period when I was scoring a few goals. They quickly subsided um <laughs> what's that coming over the hill it's big sam parking you should have marked him <laughs> oh, I like that that's yeah, good that's decent yeah, that's yeah. decent uh, have you got any suggestions for a chant for clarky uh, at the totally it's just show? not very it's just not a very rhymeable name is it adrian clark it's just it's, i think that makes a big difference if you ever and you have to be good do you do you, do you ever go by ad <laughs> Yeah, because you could go ole 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 Eddie clock clock clock. There you go. There you go. Sing that when you get home if you like. Uh, Sam Adrian, thanks for your company. You two listener, we'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at the Totally Show on Twitter, and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. of the Totally Scottish Football Show and if you like football you're gonna love Scottish football it's not all just Stevie G and Scott Brown up here no because we talk about all of the Scottish football and geez oh it's great 
There's actually a title race this year in the Premiership. Stevie G will be hoping not to slip up again. Hearts are tearing each other a new one. Motherwell are doing... Well, well, they're doing well. So, if you like your football to be competitive, have a title race and a ton of drama off and on the pitch, the Totally Scottish Football Show is most definitely for you. Grab Scottish football by the boys, just like Ryan Christie did, and listen to the Totally Scottish Football Show, available everywhere, even in England. Marini's Media.